episode number six of the Canadian Prepper podcast. It's our first live YouTube podcast. This podcast is getting the family involved. My name is Eric. I'm the host of the show. I'm based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham operator, VE3 EPN for all you other ham operators out there, and computer geek. I got into preparedness when I was working frontline emergency services and witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events such as ice storms, power outages, etc. I started a small preparedness company to help get people started and able to look after themselves for at least 72 hours, if not longer. Hi there, my name is Ian. I'm co-host of the show. I live on Vancouver Island on a small hobby farm. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, target shooter, reloader, and my farm's designated handyman. I've had lifelong interest in preparedness, and I'm gladly learning new skills on a regular basis. My professional background has allowed me to see pretty much every province and territory in Canada. It has also taught me to prepare for abnormal situations daily. So we've got some great content for you in this episode. We're going to start off with some recent news as usual. I've got some articles related to preparedness. Next to Ian and myself, we'll be letting you know how we improved our preparedness since our last episode. We're going to go over some listener feedback, and then we're going to get into the main topic of this episode, which is getting family and friends involved in preparedness. Well, for the news, a couple things I just want to touch on here, Eric. Um, yeah. I guess the, the GM closing in Oshawa, that's a bit of a big deal. I mean, it's been covered before on other podcasts as well, but I think uh, the political aspect was covered before, but I think on any other podcast, uh, nobody's really talked about the actual, you know, personal shit hit the fan moments that happen. But stuff like that happens, like uh, losing your job is a, is a very personal shit hit the fan situation, wouldn't you say? Oh, I'd absolutely say so. Yeah, it's uh, it's something you know could possibly happen, but uh, for it to actually happen to you, it's one of those scenarios of oh yeah, it'll happen to someone else and not me. <laughs> well, absolutely. And the uh, I guess you know you kind of referred to it as a slow motion, you know, cash bomb just went off for those people. Like the uh, yeah, and it, it's not just the workers either. I mean, we're talking like uh, you know anybody from a store owner to you know the guy that provides like a clothing store, gas stations, whatever. Hell, you the spinoff uh, economy is just huge on that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's. Uh, like I said, it's not something that you really think is going to happen to you. And then all of a sudden it, uh, it happens and your, your income is, uh, is going to disappear. That paycheck that comes in every other week is, is all of a sudden drying up and you never really thought that it was going to happen. Well, I think a lot of people, they, uh, you know, they like to keep the idea. You've probably heard it floating around the internet a few times about keeping, you know, a three month salary scrolled away. If it works for engagement rings, I suppose it can work for prepping too. <laughs> the, the, uh, you know, just because, I mean, you want to be able to like Tarzan between jobs if you have to. So, I mean, uh, you know, just keep expenses at bay and everything else. It's probably not a bad idea just to keep a few months salary in, in, uh, in the back pocket for sure. Yeah, it would uh, certainly be something that would be beneficial. Is it uh, is it easy to achieve? Uh, some for some, sure, but for, for I'd say majority, not so much. But certainly something to, to strive for. Well, I think just the temptation of having the cash sitting in the bank, you want to use it <laughs> for for various stuff or whatever have you. But yeah, maybe I'm some just... pepper gear from Rapid Survival. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think the first mover advantage on this one would be key here too. If you're going to get a, a job loss like that happening, you know, unless you're convinced they're going to save the plant, plant at the last minute, you probably want to make sure that you uh, get your house for sale first. Because I can only imagine how many houses just went up for sale there in the Oshawa area. Oh yeah, and the yeah the price range of houses in that area, or even yeah, anywhere southern Ontario, are just insane. So yeah, that would unfortunately be step number one is uh, is selling off the house to, to get some cash flow. That uh, something that you want to look at for sure. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, like the. Um 
inevitable fire sales going to happen on houses and cars and all sorts of toys. But I mean, and not to be the, the, you know, the vulture, so to speak, but I mean, this is a great opportunity for some people. If you live nearby and you're not losing your job, I guess, you know, you could technically get those things you still wanted if uh, probably at a steep discount. I mean, it's horrible to say, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, unfortunate, but true. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be one heck of a, an economic impact to that, to that area. That's for sure. Cause they are a giant employer and uh, I'm sure majority of the population has some sort of tie, if not direct tie to, uh, to the plant or, or to somebody that works in it and there's been generations that have worked there as well so to have it all of a sudden up and disappear it's it's going to be quite the the economic impact and uh, it's going to affect a lot of things for for oshawa and the surrounding area yeah for sure the uh power outage uh, that i was going to mention here next in saskatchewan that was uh, one of the articles i came up with um, did you hear about that one at all yeah, I just actually pulled the article up now, so I was uh, having a quick breeze through it while uh, we were talking about the Oshawa plant thing as well. And uh, yeah, the power outage things uh, happen all the time, all over the place, so it's uh, definitely something to talk about. Well, it's kind of funny, this one, uh, I had to kind of giggle when my buddy first sent me the link to this one, because um, they were talking about it as pandemonium in southern Saskatchewan, and they were you know, doing all sorts of hyper- hyperbole with it, but I mean, it's like 200,000 people were without power for, I don't know, maybe six hours but it's funny how the immediately the news stories went to nobody can eat nobody can buy this to stuff and you know people are starving and this that there was like really like after six hours like <laughs> they always talk about nine okay. yeah nine meals from anarchy but it turns out it was like six hours but it was just uh kind of giving them more than they else so i threw in the show notes the uh the link to this power outage we wanted to mention but uh it's yeah, just more of a they've got to sell of, ads right so that's probably why they're they're making it look a little bit uh, like a bigger deal <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. At the same time, some people after a couple of hours are starting to think this is it, right? And, well, the other uh, thing too, as you read further down the article, it was interesting the fact they figured out the uh, frost caused the power outage. And I was like, well, frost must happen in Saskatchewan fairly often, I would think. But frost caused it. That's okay. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, this sure. heavy heavy frost. I was like, well, okay, so that's obviously something that they can expect to happen more often. I guess is. Uh, suppose yeah i don't know how frost would cause it but you know i'm not an electrician either so sure yeah, yeah. all right <laughs> uh, anything else you want to cover as far as news goes right. like uh, so we've got the uh the dow tumbles uh, over 1300 points in two days so uh again getting into the economic uh downturns you know it's going to happen uh, investments go up investments go down but uh the tumble 1300 points in two days that's a that's a little bit of a drop and you know, something that uh, could affect people and something you want to Make sure is in your your plans, especially if you've got uh, money tied up in in investments, to to have some kind of a, an idea as to what you're going to be getting into if uh, if things do take a bit of a tumble. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean that well, ever since we put that in the show notes, even it's been uh, tumbling. I think pretty much daily. It's uh, actually they're, while they're talking the big R word because there's something called a. Uh, inversion of the uh, yield curve on the bond market and uh, that's you know one of the dead giveaways that there's going to be a recession and supposedly that just happened last week so um, I guess it's going to be an ongoing story as things go on here because it's um, you know these things are supposed to happen every eight years it's been 10 since the last one so I mean as far as you know relating to yes as far as relating to retirement I mean your current wealth even job losses like we just talked about or anything else is certainly uh, I'm not saying the stock market is everything but it's certainly a good indicator Oh yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people get tied in there with different investments, right? So and it, it might even be part of your uh, preparedness plan to, to have a little bit of cash stocked away and, and put into some kind of an investment, hoping it grows and keeping an eye on this stuff's important because it's uh, a certain topple, not to say it won't come back. Maybe it'll come back and now's a good time to buy. Who knows? I'm not, uh, I'm not a big stock market guy myself, but you know, if it's something that uh, is in your plan, you might want to keep an eye on this and 
maybe it's time to start pulling some cash out. Yeah, I think it's never a bad pro or never a bad idea to have like a you know at least cash as part of your portfolio because that that never technically goes down in value other than the old inflation. But that's uh, yeah, yeah, it's very interesting to watch for sure. Oh, absolutely, it is. Yeah. So maybe we'll get into uh, what we've done lately. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first or should I take this? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm nice, quick, and simple on this one. I have done absolutely nothing prepping-wise since the last episode. Uh, as I've, uh, I sound like a broken record here for the last couple episodes we've done. I have been uh, on the road and away for work yet again. Uh, pretty sure the wife's about ready to kill me, but uh, I, I think I'm back now for for a little while at least. So uh, yeah, this last week has been a, uh, a nothing uh, nothing happening, nothing uh, going on prepper-wise for me. So. I'm uh, I'm an easy one for the list this uh, this week. I hear you. I was uh, well. We were messaging back and forth here quite a bit, and you know, both of us been on the road quite a bit lately. But uh, with the little time I've had, I've, I've actually had to worry about the Christmas rush as well because uh, you know, family family oh, yes. has to have their, their their stuff too. So, but I did manage to prep some brass um, just because uh, during the, the uh, winter uh, is my time to take care of stuff. I guess I don't know if the camera can see that or not, but I. Uh, I usually try and take care of all the stuff that I shot during the summer season and, you know, get it back up to stuff so it's uh, it's all ready up for the, the spring shooting. Very uh, nice. Refinished a, uh, like I had actually bought one of those Russian shotguns we were talking about there for the hunting trip and I had bought a, uh, another one on a really steep discount, but it basically had no finish left on it. So I did the uh, the $20 upgrade there, which is the the Krylon, the uh, the Supermax. Uh, yeah, so I managed all to... Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a cheap <laughs> gun, so you can't, you can't expect a... a Cerakote finish on it, but I mean it, that, that Krylon all of them, uh, Supermax, it's called, does a really good job. So I, I just refinished that bear gun to uh, keep the rust away, just because it's so moist around here. Uh, the oh, wife perfect. and I have been, the wife and I got busy with an inventory update with our food supply and just kind of rotated some of the older stuff so we can kind of put new stuff down uh, in the storage and then you know bring uh, other stuff out of the closet and so on to speak to make sure this stays as fresh as possible. Yep. And, uh, you know, that leads to the inevitable trip to Costco, which is so damaging to the wallet. <laughs> <laughs> damaging to the wallet. But if you, if you get there a good sample time, it's, it's great for the stomach. And I, okay, funny story. <laughs> totally outside the prepper stuff. But I, I was at yeah. Costco, and uh, I think it ended up on CGN as a posting, too. But they were actually demonstrating toilet paper. Which I one saw that post. Yep. Yeah, which I had to ask. I said, why are they doing this? Like, how are you supposed to? Never mind. Okay. The creepers <laughs> me out. The lady got a glove on. I don't, yeah, I was, don't, nope, don't need to go any further with that one. That was kind of funny. So, <laughs> uh, but I was going to say, anybody that lives near the U.S. border, for sure, if you do go down to uh, do any cross-border shopping, American Costco is definitely a prepper's friend. I um, Funny story, during the summer, we found everything from sugar, salt, whatever, have you down there. It's probably about a third of the cost of, of Canadian, even after the exchange rate. Oh, and, really? uh and interestingly enough, the the guy that checked us out, he had a tactical pen in his in his shirt pocket there. So I said, "Hey, I like your tactical uh -huh. pen." And of course, we were, we were buying gamma buckets, we we're buying salt and sugar. And he's just like, "I see you're on the plan as well." And um, they're they're very prepper friendly down there. And like even yep. gamma lids and everything else, it's just so incredibly cheap. So if you have the chance, uh, definitely check out the cross border uh, Costco's. Oh, good to know. And it's uh, it's interesting just the the difference in uh, in the mindset in the U.S. versus in Canada, where the the prepper thing is sort of just getting here in Canada, but it's been in the states forever, and it's almost a a common thing for for a lot of them. Well, I think they kind of lived, lived through more of a, a Great Depression than we did. Like you know, we were affected somewhat, but just the absolute you know mass and volume of job losses down there. They kind of just carried on ever since the '30s. I think it kind of got instilled into the people, and they've obviously been exposed to more. I guess hardships and everything else in, in certain cases. So, yeah, probably a little more, uh, a little more aware down there because they haven't. We haven't had 
as rough a time as they have in certain cases. Yeah, fair enough. So, cool. I guess time, time uh, to the main topic. Yeah, we'll get to the main topic of uh, getting the wife and kids prepared. Well, I want to say thanks to Brad for this one, for sure. Uh, this is a, a good topic. I don't even think we're going to be able to cover it as well as we should. But That's gonna, I mean, It's going to be a good one, yeah. <laughs> I'd say it's hard to judge on any any specific situation because every family is going to be different. But I'd say depending on how receptive your target audience is, it's going to have to change how you try and bring it up as a rational discourse because, I mean, you always want to keep the emotion to a minimum. You don't want to sit there and go, oh, my God, the world's going to end tomorrow. So we need to do something <laughs> yep. because that's sure enough. Somebody's going to just shut down and like, I don't want to talk about it. OK, that that's it. Yep. And um, Bring the I, full hat back out. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting because like she went to on a personal level, like what got my wife and I going for us was originally the 2003 power outage for sure mm-hmm. but also um, when my wife took a, a nutrition course it was like a two-year long course for um, was holistic nutrition and after she realized that you know this can't be accidental that what they're doing to this food here and what's going on and she started asking some questions before you know it we started using some real world you know facts issues everything else and then you know you go down to these rabbit holes that actually wakens wake i guess makes you awake faster that's for sure yeah oh it's uh yeah, it's definitely something that you got to take the time to, to plan out exactly how you're going to introduce it and how you're going to get uh, family kind of talking about it if they're not 100% on board to begin with. But it takes, uh, it takes some time and you don't want to come off as that uh, that person that's, you know, watching Doomsday Preppers and, and you know, trying to do all that kind of stuff, right? Which which we keep hitting on Doomsday Preppers. I think that's a thing throughout this entire podcast so far as you kind of poked at them. Funny show to watch, not 100% realistic, but... Uh, well, and they go out of their way to make these guys look like complete kooks, too. So, I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't do anybody any favors just to, like, say, hey, let's watch Doomsday Preppers, and then that way we can become just like them. Yeah, let's do exactly like they do. <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah. And they're, all, they're always preparing for one one eventuality. Nothing else, just nope. one. Oh, nope, that's it. Yeah, I got this one thing. I know what's going to happen, and that's one-track mindset, right? Yeah. So it's... Uh, well, it's my, definitely the, the trick to getting the the family involved is is not letting them watch that right off the hop. <laughs> well, it's starting to irk the crap out of me too when I watch the uh, um, the Walking Dead. You know, these guys. You know, how many times have they uh, they've been through a zombie apocalypse where the zombies are overrunning the compound, and not a single one of them is thought to get a bug out bag going, or cashing any supplies <laughs> or anything else. And sure enough, every time they got the shirt on their back and not much else. And I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of like you know, it's, uh, it's just frustrates me anyway but uh i was gonna say you know a good starter book i guess if you want to have something around the house would be um it's actually i'll put it in the show notes as well and it's called it's called the modern survival guide surviving the economic collapse and it's written by a guy that was actually from argentina his name is fernando Furfel aguirre if i pronounce that one right huh. anyway so he uh, he lived through the collapse and he left off a very no-nonsense non-fiction guide on how he dealt with things and everything from like how to put a, a guy that's trying to run you into the ditch, put him into the ditch, how, you know, how to outfit your house, outfit your car, um, you know, thoughts on home invaders, just everything that he had to go through and decide on. It's actually a very interesting read in the fact that it's just no nonsense. And he, um, yeah. yeah, he just did it really well done. It's a cheap book too. It's only 11 bucks or something. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just, if you want to just have something laying on the coffee table to like passively get people started on prepping, <laughs> you can do that. I mean, hey, have a look at this book I just picked up. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, maybe that might be something you'd let them read after you get them on the plan. I think, uh, yep. well, one thing I came up with on the, we were kind of spitballing on this last week is uh, kind of have three tenets of uh, preparedness. So, I mean, one, I always try and push it as a cost savings maneuver, uh, peace of mind, and then less reliance. So, I mean, cost savings is pretty easy. Like, uh, 
when you think of everything from like that we talked about the Costco runs and onwards, we can talk about this a little further down the podcast, but I think those three ideas are, are easy sells to anybody. Well, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, just have a little heart to heart, you know, the slow introduction, you know, might be necessary, kind of get them into the mindset of, you know, what you're kind of thinking you want to be prepared for and maybe start out with some, some recent news events. Just, Hey, you know, you, you saw these forest fires a little while ago, you know, what if this happens here? Do, do we have any kind of a plan for that? And, and start to, to kind of just bring it up as, as little things like that. Uh, you know, emphasize the fact that the government might not be as fast to uh, provide aid as we may, may think they would be. And then uh, bring that back to the news article that uh, you're looking at and uh, try to explain, you know, see how they, the government's re- res- uh, responded to this in this news article and how it took them a couple of days to, to actually get out and help people out and try to show by examples what's happening, right? Maybe even in your, your backyard or a province or so over. And, uh, and then just slowly kind of show, you know, look at this hurricane just happened. Look at the giant lineups, the gas stations that were happening here. And, and just kind of get the mindset going and, and make it something that's happened and can realistically happen where you were, you're living and where you are as well. And then it helps get uh, other people kind of where you are and, and gets you away from that, uh, that stigma of just being the, the whack job who's, who's planning for the zombie apocalypse. No, I'm, I'm planning for the, the gas station to be crammed full because there's been a giant storm come through and now everybody's freaking out. But uh, we're already at home with a nice, uh, nice stash of gas, right? Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, there's something like that that's happening pretty much every week, all year long. That you know, can you can draw from. So you don't have to sit there and wait for hurricane season to bring up, you know, the fact there might be a lineup at the gas station. So I mean, it's going to happen sooner or later on the, the news. Just give it like 24 hours. You'll have something to talk about for sure. I mean, there's there's no shortage at all. Oh, absolutely. And then and then the, the best part with that is you start to to get the conversation going, right? So you've uh, you've kind of planted the seed, you've gotten the idea there of, hey, you know what? Yeah, maybe uh, we should start getting ready for a few things here and there. It doesn't have to be anything major. It doesn't have to be that crazy zombie apocalypse, right? It can be, we said the, the simple little power outage that happened in Saskatchewan there, just bring that up. Hey, look, the power was out for six hours. If that happened here, what would we do? Uh, and then just start the ball rolling from there and it, it just kind of takes those barriers down, gets the walls down and, and gets people thinking. Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny. I, I was talking to my daughter about this this episode, and she says, "Well, Dad, just just tell him what you did with me." And I was like, "Oh, what's that?" And you know, I didn't even think about this, but she said, yeah. "Just bring up in gentle conversations with your kids, you know, and it doesn't have to be like again zombie apocalypse. It can just be say, hey, you know what? Power goes out here six times a year. We should probably at least have a, like a, a a covered candle in your room that you can light if the power goes out.'" And uh, she was mentioning because she's well, she's thirteen now, and she's like, "Listen, you know, from the time about six years old on, you've always been telling me that you know something's gonna." small it will happen power outage whatever have you and it's always nice to have something just in the case so she always has a flashlight with her as an edc and everything else because and she's she just kind of raised like that and she's like i didn't realize that you know that you were kind of a prepper until i started watching on this podcast <laughs> so <laughs> and i think she's watching me right now too but anyway oh there you go but that's you know that's putting the label on it right like if, you, if there's no label attached to what you're doing and it's just being ready for something then it, it takes it there's no barriers there's not that social barrier to oh prepper oh okay that's a bad word oh, okay you know they're waiting for the zombie apocalypse no if you take the word prepper out of it and just you know i'm getting ready for you know a power outage that could happen in the winter because we've seen a couple ice storms well suddenly it's something normal to do right so it's just breaking down those walls and, and breaking down the like the stigma associated to the the word prepper or or, or something similar to that well yeah because common sense sounds a lot better than paranoid <laughs> there you go yeah exactly <laughs> So the uh, the other thing I was going to mention too is the first aid course idea. Like I mean, uh, um, 
I can't think of a bad reason or a, like a reason not to take a first aid course. But if you're trying to introduce somebody to the world of prepping, like a very easy intro is a first aid course. Because I mean, you know, it's a gentle intro into the world where like not everything's clean and tidy and neat and everything else. And because even standard first aid, I mean, you're going to cover stuff like, you know, a nail sticking through a hand or whatever have you. And just like, so it kind of gets the mindset going that, hey, you know, if something does come up, it's nice to have some training in, involved. Oh, and absolutely. Yeah. And then you and have some equipment available to me as well that I might not use on a daily basis but if something happens i've i've got it well for sure and and it's just one of those things where you know like you can sell it as a you know to the, to the kids as a means of getting a raise at work or like a you know less need to to run to the emergency room for a small boo-boo you know first kid responder capability to see somebody in the ditch or even like you know if you want to get a babysitting job pretty much every parent in the world is going to ask if you have cpr and first aid <laughs> or at least every good parent i would hope <laughs> oh absolutely i would hope so yeah that's uh, that's definitely something that you want to make sure your babysitter has yeah and as far as getting a raise at work goes, like, I mean, uh, personal history too, like back when I was, I think, 17, I worked at a grocery store um, and they were offering free first aid courses. And it used to be industrial first aid. I think it's called WCB level one now or something. Or yeah. what do they call it in Ontario? Uh, first aid. Oh, there you go. <laughs> anyway. Usually level uh, level A, B, and C. The, the most standard one is level C, which gets you your infant, uh, child, and adult CPR certification as well. Oh, yeah. So interestingly, what they did with me is they, they're, so they're advertising, anybody that wants to take a first aid course, they would pay me, they would pay for the course, they would pay my wages while I took the course, and then once I passed it, providing I passed it, they would uh, give me a raise for having it. Oh, and so pretty, pretty sweet uh, way to get an intro into that. So that was uh, just pretty handy. I'm, I'm sure it helps them out insurance wise too, right? <laughs> they can say, oh, their staff's trained, you get the training. Well, and every, I think every large employer, if you work for a large employer, I mean, they, um, they, they need to have a first aid attendant on scene at all times, depending oh, on how many yeah. staff members they have too, right? And yeah, I guess yeah, that's the rules of Ontario is depends on the number of staff members and it depends, you need to have a certain number of people trained and you have to have a certain type of kit on premises as well, depending on the number of employees that could reasonably be there at any given time. So, so I think after you've done a first aid course, I mean, um, it's not a much of a stretch to say, hey, why don't we just leave a first aid kit in the car? And yeah. you know, that, that's kind of like one of those first things you can kind of slide by the, the goalpost, so to speak, as far as uh, getting somebody introduced into preparedness because i mean yeah once you've taken the course you might as well have the tools to deal with it oh absolutely and then once you get that first aid kit into the car and uh everybody's used to having that with them you, you suddenly throw a little backpack there to put the first aid kit in and that backpack happens to have a flashlight and, and something else with it and then you slowly add to the pack and next thing you know you've got a little go bag ready uh, ready in the car right for sure you had a, a canadian government website you found there didn't you yeah, so I, uh, I was doing a little bit of digging and uh, just trying to figure out a way, and I'll put the, the link in the show notes as well, but uh, uh, the Canadian website at uh, getprepared.gc.ca actually has a uh, an online planner. So uh, for anybody that likes to use a computer to do their, their plans and a little step-by-step process, it's uh, eight steps total, and you just log into the website there, and again, the link will be in the show notes, and it just walks you through. So it goes uh, step-by-step online plan maker. Uh, it's a total of eight steps. It starts out with uh, safe exits from home and neighborhood. So you can uh, punch in some information about where you can leave your house safely, um, where you can, how you can get out of your neighborhood. Uh, it, it outlines meeting places uh, to uh, reunite with family or, or roommates or friends. Uh, it gets into local spaces versus a little bit further out spaces. So you've got some ideas plugged into your plan as to where you would meet in certain spots. Uh, it doesn't need a person to pick up children um, should you be unavailable. So you get a, a friend or family member assigned to go pick up your kids, wherever they be, daycare or school. Uh, contact persons close by and out of town. So you get a list of people that are close by to you, a list of people that are out of town. 
health and insurance information. So, um, you know, what's one thing you're going to be looking for when you're, you're running all over the place is you want your insurance info and your health card and information in case you got to go to a hospital. So it's on your plan. Uh, places for your pets to stay. Something that people don't necessarily think of right off the hop, right? Like, yeah, your pets are there every day, but if something's happening and you don't have anywhere to put them and you're, you're frantically looking for somewhere where you've already got it on your list, uh, risks in your region. So that's something that we, I'm pretty sure we touch on uh, every episode is the, to be aware of uh, your region and, and kind of what risks could be in your area. So they get you thinking about that and putting that into your plan. And then uh, location of your fire extinguisher, water valve, electrical panel, gas valve, uh, floor drains. So it, it really, it's a basic list of things that you should know where they are and what to do. You punch them all in and then it spits out in a, in a report for you, basically a report format. And you can print out and give the family members and then it gets them kind of reading it and thinking about what's going on and they can add to it, subtract to it. And it's a nice little tool to, to help you get a plan together. If, uh, if you're not the type to just sit down in front of Word with a blank sheet and start typing, this does a lot of legwork for you and gets, uh, gets your mind thinking and gets you going and, and gets you answering questions and then you can expand on it from there. But it's a, it's a great spot to get started. It's actually, it's good because it's actually not too much of a stretch because, you know, most school boards, when you, you know, bring your kid to school for the first time, they want to have you at least three or four of these, these items. They want to make sure that they're on the form as well, because they want to make sure there's somebody alternate that can pick you up. Uh, they've got, you know, meeting places, uh, so to speak, that the kids are able to go to in case of an emergency or whatever, contact people. It all makes sense as, you know, so it's not much of a stretch there either. Oh, perfect. Um, funny aside for places to your pet to stay, uh, there's also a news article I didn't even bother to put in here, but, um, there's a big Anatolian Shepherd, which is like a big giant guard dog down in yeah. California that after the uh, California wildfires went through there, the uh, the guy had to abandon his dog with no notice whatsoever. He had to leave his dog in this massive property he had. And I guess he, when he finally got settled somewhere, he mentioned that he had a pet there. And I guess the first responders that were able to go back left food for him. He comes back a month later, dog's still guarding the property. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's a guard dog. That is a guard dog. Yep. Everybody am crazy and he's still guarding the place. Yeah, that was well done. I was like, it's, it's very similar to breed to what I have too. So I was like, oh, tick mark for the, the breed for sure. Awesome. Um, the other thing too, yeah, I mean, even knowing where your water valve is, your electrical panel, everything else, that's huge too. You know, earthquake, you know, everything else. Even if you want to shut off the water because the, the, uh, the house is starting to freeze up or whatever. You oh, know, absolutely. It, it doesn't take much to uh, shut off the water, drain it from the you know the top floors down, just open up the taps and drain everything out. Uh, yep. That'll save you tons of money down the road. So under that cost savings banner, again, that's something else. By knowing where your water valve is, you can save yourself a lot of heartache later on or an insurance claim. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and just because you know where it is doesn't know everybody in the family knows where it is, right? So if you've got to jot it down the plan and, and describe where it is and what to do if, then it's great. It's right there in black and white and anybody can read it and do it if they have to. Yeah, so even like for ourselves with the power outage idea, you know, down in the pump house where we have, uh, you know, backup generator plug-in type of thing, um, I've got big, you know, directions written in bold on what to do. And so pretty much anybody can do it without even knowing anything about how the power system works or anything else. Perfect. And they won't shock themselves or do anything dumb because it's all like, you know, the only live ends are like female, so you can't, you know, stick your finger on a live <laughs> post or anything. So, yep. um, no, absolutely. Having plans for stuff like that is is you know, can be very, very cost effective and, and just sensible as well. So absolutely. Should we move on to the, the touchy subject here next? <laughs> <laughs> I see it in the show notes. You can run with it if you want. Yeah. So you can thank Hollywood for this one being so oh, yeah. uh, stigmatized, but anyway, so guns, here we go. Um, you know, most preppers are starting out and they want to bring it into, up with their family. It's always foremost on their mind. Thanks to the, you know, walking dead and everything else. They want to get the, the stockpile going and they're, oh, they're hey, what are the zombies come by, right? <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, I, honestly, I don't think it's any more or less important than any other 
prep. I mean, it's just another tool in the toolbox. I don't think it's like the the primary or the the most stuff you should talk about. It's fun to talk about because it's more sexy than than the sealing <laughs> mylar bags and stocking cans up on a shelf. Absolutely, but, and it is absolutely a tool. That's for sure. It, yeah, it is, I mean, it would be. You know, and whether it be like down there, you know, they can talk all sorts of uses for guns. However, it basically just is another tool in the tool chest. So I don't think if you're going to get somebody into prepping, I don't think it should be the first and foremost thing you talk about to begin with. However, <laughs> unless you unless you meet that person at the gun club. Yeah, exactly. Then you're probably already talking about guns anyways, right? Yeah, I mean, there is that social social stigma to work around. I mean, you can think, yeah. you know, years and years of programming in the media and everything else for guys and girls, you know, whoever, being just, you know, not even so much afraid, but just like uncomfortable around guns to begin with. Yeah. So I, I think if you're going to start into the idea of, you know, having even a 22 around the house, um, start off with target shooting, uh, you know, kind of remove the taboo of guns around the house. If it's just a single shot 22 or, a, you know, a Ruger 10 22 semi-auto, just something small. I think, you know, um, and if you're going to take, you know, the wife and kids shooting for the first time, please, for goodness sake, don't use a 44 Magnum handgun. Don't use it. <laughs> don't use a, a 50 BMG or anything else. Like no. start, start off with a 22 with clays, you know, like, like, uh, you know, clay pigeons to yeah, shoot some with some positive reinforcement to it. Yeah. Yeah. Pop a balloon, you know, steel gongs. I mean, if you really want to go full redneck, like maybe, maybe some of my friends have done use Tannerite, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm saying if you're going to introduce somebody, make sure it's not a, it's not a situation they didn't enjoy. So, uh, always start with a 22, uh, you know, emphasize safety above everything else and uh, make sure they have, like like you said, positive reinforcement. So whether they're popping a balloon, yay, great, and moving on. And don't make it a, a marathon session either. Like make it a 15, 20 minute of shooting, like after the safety briefing and everything else. Yep. And once once they've hit something really well, uh, great. If they want to come back next time and, and try a pistol, great. But start with a 22 pistol. Don't start with a 9. Don't start with a 45. <laughs> no. Yeah, start with the small guys first. Because they're great for fundamentals too, right? Even your most experienced shooter. Go back to a 22 and fix something with a fundamental somewhere, right? So uh, always a great spot. It's like golf, isn't it? I mean, like uh, you start screwing up with your pistol shooting on a nine millimeter. The best thing you can do is go back to a 22 because it's it's a mental game as well as a as a physical game. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So it's it's good to start them there, and then uh, and then once they want to start uh, moving up in the world to something a little bit bigger, then uh, away you go, and you can start filling your safe. Yeah. So, of course, I mean, another gentle intro to this after the target shooting idea is, you know, uh, bring up the idea of hunting. I mean, I think every young boy would be on the on board with the plan to go hunting. And I mean, there is a cost saving aspect where I, where I talked about before with, you know, less reliance on the system, cost savings to be had and a peace of mind just with if you're able to go out hunting. Um, you can let, you know attach all sorts of labels, like I mentioned, I think on a previous podcast, you know, organic, free range, everything else. But <laughs> yep. you, start, you start with a renewable food source like grouse that's, you know, ludicrous easy to hunt and um you know it ludicrously easy to clean you know i think that's one of the things that's going to be a positive reinforcement thing for kids and and wives girlfriends husbands whatever have you that you know it's not as close enough to chicken that nobody's going to be like squeamish about eating wild meat yep. but i think also it's it's easy to clean so it's you know it's not a whole lot of blood and guts floating around that's why you know instead of starting with a deer taking your wife out the first day of hunting blasting <laughs> a deer you know dressing it out in front of her and like Oh my God. Like, oh. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. So I think everybody's seen enough chicken stuff that, you know, if yeah. you're cleaning a grouse, nobody's going to get squeamish about that. No, I don't think so. And, and make sure that they're prepared as well, that if uh, you are out hunting deer, uh, you know, that deer could go running past you at a high velocity. And if you get a foot chase with it, well, you get in a foot chase with it. So <laughs> just, yeah. just to do a run back to uh, last episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm still embarrassed about that. Yeah. Me as well. <laughs> and, uh, 
So yeah, I guess the next thing you talk about, they're kind of attached to guns, kind of not. But basically, if you do have a varmint around the house, skunk, raccoon, whatever have you, you can use the idea, hey, let's get a live trap. Um, you know, not only does it teach you how to trap animals, but it's just one of those things where you know how to use it. It's testing your gear. It's a removal of the problem. And then down the road, if you want to start trapping like food animals, if need be, well, that's that's an option available to you. But it's just something less, I guess, to have around this, so you know, got the stigma removed from it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're just trying to trap something to, to get rid of something that's, that's being a pain around the property, right? And then you can kind of practice. Oh, hey, you know, we successfully trapped it. Take it to wherever it is you need to take it, release it, do whatever it is you got to do with it, and then eventually move up to okay. Well, we've got the trapping thing figured out. Well, now let's start to put some some food on the table and, and trap something that we can actually eat, and then kind of move from there. Mm-hmm. So I guess another way to get somebody into prepping. Um self-defense courses uh, uh yes. take anything like that i used to do taekwondo years ago uh but uh honestly we haven't done any kind of self-defense course uh, myself and the wife uh, at all so it would uh yeah it would definitely be something good to to get into for sure well we tried our hand at a couple of little different martial arts but we ended up uh, when we lived in southern ontario we actually ended up uh, doing three years of krav maga um <laughs> are you familiar with that at all uh, very much so. Yeah, a lot of coworkers are actually into it. So I've heard good things. Uh, used to do a little jujitsu myself as well uh, years ago. Yeah, so uh, Krav Maga for the people that uh, haven't heard of it, it's actually the self-defense system that the Israeli military teaches every recruit. Um, the reason they do that is because it's it's not dependent on size or gender or anything else. It's something that anybody can do, including my kids, which did it for three years, and when they were like I think five and eight, and. Um, they didn't mind it at all either because it's basically uh it's a very real world martial art you know and i'm, I'm not knocking taekwondo either but that's more of an exercise <laughs> program than anything is, else yes. right yep. no, um, absolutely where something like krav maga it's like if you're not kicking a guy in the junk you're doing it wrong and yep. <laughs> so it's uh it's very much a real world uh it covers everything from knife defense rifle defense to personal hand to hands and it's actually like when you're practicing you're punching you're not punching in the air you're punching somebody holding a, a bag against their chest and you're actually like feeling what it's like to hit somebody in the in the well chest head whatever have you yep. we were doing uh we were actually very lucky our instructor was a uh, personal protection guy so he actually protected vips on a regular basis and um nice. and he kind of looked like if you remember hugh dylan from the headstones the uh the lead singer there uh he did, did a, yeah he did a bunch of acting as well he's this big tough looking bald guy well this guy would make hugh dylan look his little girlfriend it was this guy was just massive and uh nicest guy in the world of course and oh, yeah. uh yeah. but the the stuff he would teach you was just amazing so i can't say enough about krav maga so uh, unfortunately there's no course out of out here i think except for maybe in downtown vancouver and i'm not willing to to go there for that so <laughs> But uh, yeah, other than that, if you can't find a Krav Maga uh, studio, there's a great one in, in Kitchener-Waterloo for people in Southern Ontario. Um, the one in Barrie, unfortunately, shut down when I was there. Um, huh. uh, but anyways, uh, there's other systems, to, or sorry, uh, martial arts that work the same way. Sistema, which is a Russian one. It's uh, it's more of a reactive body thing. Uh, you mentioned Jiu-Jitsu, which is another fantastic one because, you know, yep. most fights go to the ground. So, you know, as, as you know, idea, yeah. yeah, so you're going to end up on the ground sooner or later. So having a little Jiu-Jitsu under your belt, which we did as well when I lived in Barrie. Um, yeah. That was another good one. Karate, of course, is a more widespread, somewhat useful as well. Um, I did an introduction to a martial art called Kali. Um, have you ever heard of that one at all? Um, the computer geek in me is going to say Kali Linux, but that's more of a penetration <laughs> testing type of uh, operating system. So oh, it, it's, not, yeah. uh, it's not martial arts, though. <laughs> no, so the interesting thing about Kali is they start you off with knives and sticks, and then when yep. you get really good at it, then you work to fists, which is ah. kind of the opposite of every other martial art you're ever going to do. 
Um, so when we did this introduction to it over the course of the weekend, we, you know, first thing they do is throw a couple bamboo sticks at you. Do you learn how to basically start whacking people all sorts of places with these sticks? And it's a Filipino martial art. I believe it's Filipino anyway. And, um, again, fantastic thing. Uh, similar idea. If you, if your kids are really into swords or whatever, there's always kendo. Um, but you know what? Anything that teaches anything about self-defense is a good one. Even if you know, like it's a YMCA self-defense course for your wife, yep. something. Because that's going to plant that seed where not everything is right in the world and not everything is clean and pretty. And sooner or later, somebody's going to try and start something with you. So it's nice to have that tool in your toolbox. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it, it doesn't matter what uh, what one you're doing, like you said. It puts that tool in the toolbox, and then you can build from it. And you'd be surprised that once you get into a situation, how it just comes back and you use it. You don't even think about it. It's just all of a sudden... It happens. You did what your training was trained you to do, and it's done. It's uh, yeah. it's pretty wild if you ever get in the situation where you got to put it into practice. You just you don't even realize you've used it until it's done, and and buddy's in a pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> for sure i mean and so of course you can't just run up to your your spouse of uh or kids and just say hey listen we're gonna start krav maga next week you're gonna like it um no I think definitely the, not no <laughs> i think the best thing you can do is wait for a news article to come out on something you know whether it be a i hate to say it but you know a violent assault a, you know a, a rape a beating whatever um maybe just bring up the, the need that you know self-defense would be a good thing to have in that situation you know and um versus you know saying help and waiting for the police to show up unfortunately because they're never going to get there in time in that case no, definitely not Unless they happen to be walking through the same place at the exact same time, and it's, it never happens like that. No, unfortunately, unlike the movies, again. So, no. uh, I guess so. In order to protect what you have in the worst case scenario, I mean, that's uh, the backup system is to have your hand to hand items down pat for sure. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, and if anybody tries to argue with you about, you know, needing martial arts or not, I mean, if you don't need a gun when times are like without rule of law bad, then you're just collecting things for the meanest thing. Uh, I mean, it's person on the block to show up. So, I mean, same thing. If you don't need a, you know, a self-defense course, then what's going to happen when something, you know, somebody does show up the last minute? It's just not the time to be learning it at that point, right? Uh, no, it's definitely not. And the other good thing with it as well is if you start into it now, it, it turns into a fitness program as well. So it gets your physical fitness level up, which is another important thing to do with the preparedness and, and being ready for any kind of situation is is having that level of physical fitness and, and being able to to deal with things. So you're kind of doing uh, killing two birds with one stone, uh, be the way to say it because you're you're learning self-defense but you're also conditioning your body well and actually a personal experience as well as like going once a week even doesn't cut it you have to go at least two or three times a week if you're going to progress and also get into shape as well absolutely and you got to get that muscle memory right Do, doing it for a half hour session once a week is not going to build that muscle memory it's not going to get you you know just instinctively doing this stuff so yeah absolutely a couple of times a week minimum and then uh even practice if you're not in the class. Practice at home. Practice, you know, while you're sitting instead of sitting in front of the TV watching uh, watching shows or you know listening to the podcast. You can you can practice, right? Absolutely. And so you know, just uh, we're probably going to cover off. I think differences uh, between us and the states. I think in another episode here. But um, just if anybody is going to get into firearms, just make sure that you know we have very much more stringent laws in Canada, I guess, uh, than, in, than in the States. So that, you know, if you're in normal times, rule of law, if you, any use of a firearm, whether it be pointing, brandishing, whatever have you, is going to guarantee a large legal bill in Canada, no matter yes, if, you're, if you're in the right or not, it doesn't matter. So just be very judicious with how you uh, store, uh, maintain everything else, your firearms, and uh, yeah, don't advertise for criminals that you have them either. So no, definitely not something you want to be flashing around town everywhere. Yeah, so that's... The, 
so the Browning Buckmark stickers can stay off the truck. The, uh, <laughs> you know, the protected by Swift, Smith and Wesson uh, signs on the front of the property can skip. You can skip those too. That's that's yeah. uh, as, as far yeah. as a what do you call opsec uh, operational security. You don't want to be. Uh, uh, yeah, and they're, and they're just not going to help paint uh, paint a picture of uh, of who you are and what you are actually meaning to use them for. When uh, if time comes or there's an investigation, you got a big uh, protected by Smith and Weston sticker on your front window. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No. Not gonna end well. <laughs> no. I mean, we t- we talk about guys that have the you know, like what would you call? I guess uh, justified shootings or whatever in, in Canada, they still get a legal legal bill that you know is in the oh, fifty yep. hundred thousand, no problem. So yeah, and there's there's definitely scenarios where you are absolutely justified in using a firearm uh, in in different scenarios, but um, they are far and few between. Uh, but they do exist. But that uh, that's going into a whole other world where we start dishing out legal advice, which uh, which we're not doing. <laughs> no. And again, we can we can talk about firearms in another episode for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, probably moving on to the next one, I guess. Yeah, uh, groceries as uh, as food insurance. So that's that's definitely something that uh, you'd want to start looking into. And you know, why not just add a few more items to your grocery list as you're shopping, right? Um, you know, an extra case of water here and there, um, some stuff for the car, the house. Cool. Why not? You know, you have uh, you have insurance for your car in your house already, so why not have a little bit of insurance for your food supply? Well, for sure, because it doesn't take much to cut off the food supply. You can look at any hurricane to see that uh, that is certainly the case as well. And I mean, it you know they say well if you don't need uh, a fire extinguisher when times are good because you have the fire department, you know. That, obviously that's wrong you still need to fire to fire extinguisher no matter what because you know anything can happen so why not food insurance as well oh absolutely and i've actually got a good story for this one uh, about it was about a year ago now um i had about four or five cases of water in the in the basement in the cold cellar and you know every time we'd go to the costco or something i'd just grab a case they're like what three bucks for like 42 bottles or something so i'd grab a couple of cases throw it in the cold cellar and Lo and behold, one day uh, i'm at work and and uh, my wife gives me a call and says hey there's there's no water in the house Oh, that's that's strange. So, well, I'll uh, I'll come home. Luckily, I don't uh, I don't live too far away from where I work, so I'm able to have some understanding bosses as well. So I just told them what's going on. And so yeah, go take care of home and come back to work when you're done. So I get home and yeah, sure enough, we've got no water. But uh, the the reason for it is the the well pump failed. <laughs> so you know what are you going to do, right? You're, and the the well is about uh, 300 feet deep. So uh, it's not like we can just uh, open it up, start pumping water out of it. So well, thankfully, Amazon, that case should water, a, right? Amazon should have a new pump to you in like a couple hours, right? Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. They've got their drones. <laughs> yes. That's how that works. Yeah. Yeah. So again, having just saving a couple of <laughs> bottles of water, it's an easy, easy sell for anybody that's interested. By the way, uh, uh, hi to Prepper Madness. He's our very first YouTube uh, commentator, too. Oh, I don't even know where to check for that. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> I, I started out after. Well, this is our first YouTube thing. I started up a second window with uh, and. and opened up our own podcast here and he's the first guy to make a comment oh, so perfect awesome so you got some screens i don't have <laughs> yeah so uh let's see here we we're talking about the food insurance idea but also you know under the the banner of cost savings again you know like uh buying in bulk you know like uh interesting thing too is uh if you go to bulk barn which uh, they have those yep. in ontario as well That's so yep we got them here on top of being cheap food to be in with, usually if you go to Bulk Barn, uh, offer to buy an entire bag of whatever item you want, whether it be like rice flour or whatever have you, they actually give you an extra 10 to 20% off per bag uh, just oh. by buying the big brown paper bags worth. Um, so if you do need to stock up on something, don't just run in and grab the first retail price you see. Like You'd be surprised what they'll offer you if you go in and buy an actual bulk. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's good to know. There's little tips and tricks that not everybody knows about, right? Yeah, for sure. And then the uh, other thing too is going to say like Canadian Tire. If you need any sort of like you know 
know, battery chargers, solar panels, whatever have you. Please don't pay full retail at Canadian Tire. Just wait for the stuff to go on sale because what every I think quarterly, pretty much everything in the store goes on sale. Oh, absolutely. And you can actually, uh, if you hit their website, and uh, there's a little bit of registration process to go through, but if you register, you can actually add things to uh, a sale watch list, and then they'll email you a couple of days before that item comes up for sale, just saying, hey, uh, just so you know, this battery charger you want is coming on sale next week. And then uh, you know that it's coming on sale and you can even put it on reserve on the website and go pick it up. And then uh, you're not paying the full retail price on it. Normally their, their sales are usually pretty good, at least in this area, they're anywhere from what, 20 to 50% off. So it's definitely worth the wait. Oh, interesting. Pepper Madness just mentioned the fact that Dry Harvest also has some really good prices on freeze-dried food, which I didn't know. Oh, good to know. So it's a Dry Harvest company out of Edmonton, supposedly. Oh, um, do, they, uh, do they have a website? We can put it in the show notes. I'll have to look it up. I'll have to get my uh, yeah. my little assistant on that one, I guess. Or <laughs> 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 I'll have to figure out something. We need an intern, quick. Um, <laughs> the other thing, too, I was going to say with the, uh, the bulk purchases, uh, there's something called ghosting, which I know has a social context that's you know, for the young kids nowadays, it's something completely different. But <laughs> anyways, uh, ghosting purchases. So basically when your wife goes and buys a one can of Heinz, uh, Heinz beans or whatever, uh, get a second one because yep. it's a minimal upfront cost. It, it does not really apparent on your grocery bill per se, but it gives you that peace of mind down the road. So instead of having one they're going to use this week, you got one that you're going to use this week and one for next week. And uh, you can use it as price hedging because you know prices are only going to go up. And uh, just having the extra, you know, can in the in the shelf is going to be extra peace of mind as well. So that, that sells that peace of mind aspect. Yeah, and it's a nice, simple way to kind of get into things too, right? And ease into into your food preps, where you're not going out and spending a couple thousand dollars on a month's worth of food, right? All at, at one go. You're buying one or two extra cans, a couple extra bucks in the shopping list, and then before you know it, after a couple of times out of the the grocery store, you've got a month's worth of food, and you don't even realize that you've done it. Yeah, I tell you, all it takes is to show the wife or the kids uh, one Black Friday video from the States where they're like, you know, rushing the, the crowd for whatever have you. And I tell you, it's amazing what you can sell them on after that. Oh, absolutely. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, the States gives us all kinds of great uh, prepper type videos to, to show the family to try to get them into, into doing it. <laughs> that, that Black Friday one is definitely uh, one of the best ones because the um, meme says if you're willing to fight for a TV, imagine what happens if there's no food. Yeah. Amazing. So uh, as far as anything else goes, I even I left myself a little short on notes to talk about this this week. But I mean, certainly there's a lot of good things to start your your family on. Um, no matter what, just don't come off as, as emotionally driven or anything else. Make sure it's logic based and uh, factual. That's all I can say is key. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you if you start going just off on tangents about how the world can just come to an end tomorrow, it's it's not going to go over well. Uh, having that that logical kind of mindset and just saying, hey, you know, uh, remember a couple months ago when the power went out and we didn't have a couple cases of water? And then you just go from there. Yeah, so I think we've been at this for a while. So I suppose you should probably uh, get towards the the end of this here. Yeah, so we've got to. Board. <laughs> yeah, we've, uh, we've got some listener feedback. So I've got an email here that I'll read out. Uh, it says, uh, hi, I travel frequently for work and in hotels all the time around the world. I have prepared, uh, preparedness bags for most all facets of my home life. However, no bag or supplies for when I'm on the road. I'd love to develop a bag that is small and lightweight. That's a good one to have. Uh, airplane friendly, which is interesting. Uh, TSA and international security friendly. Uh, tailored to life on the road and in hotels. Uh, all ideas would be great. And it's signed off the traveling prepper. All right. Well, we're definitely going to have to cover that one off uh, next episode. I actually... I got uh, 
challenged on that one as well as I actually had to dump out what I had on my bag and I actually sent the traveling preppers some pictures of what I had in my bag and we actually went back and forth a little bit so I, I didn't have time to write it all out here but he actually brought up some points that I was missing as well but for sure because I'm in a similar situation is uh, the fact that I'm not, I'm not allowed to check bags when I travel as a general rule so uh, it's very hard for me to be you know remain compliant with TSA and international security and maintain some sort of preparedness when I when I travel uh, quite a bit so uh, just not not feasible for me to be checking bags all the time so yeah I'm the same boat when I travel yeah so it's very close to home as far as this goes so I do have a, a list made up but it's just not ready for the show but for sure we'll cover this off as a listener feedback next week uh, but very very good uh, email from the traveling prepper for sure yeah it's a great email I knew we were going to do something next week hopefully on it but I wanted to get it out there and if anybody else has any anything to add or anything they currently do for travel uh, fire in an email to uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca let us know and, and help get this uh, conversation going. And like I said, we can get it into the, the next episode or we'll have some more ideas. But again, off to uh, the feedback at prepperpodcast.ca and anything that you've got for travel, uh, what you what you pack in your pack, in your pack, uh, what you carry, what you bring with you, what you don't, maybe what, uh, what you normally carry, you don't bring with you. What uh, what do you leave at home? Uh, what do you leave behind? Uh, so fire that email in, let us know. Let's get, uh, let's get a good conversation going here and, and uh, get some packs built that are, that are traveling friendly yeah for sure i guess that brings us to our podcast challenge this week it does so for the uh, the podcast challenge we're going to try something uh, a little bit different this week and see if we can get a little bit more uh listener engagement going so uh with rapid survival I've decided to uh, to sponsor this and uh, everybody that uh sends in some comments on how they've either uh, completed the challenge or, or how they've taken steps towards it um <clears throat> excuse me we're going to take the uh take your name we're going to enter it into a draw and then I'm going to draw uh, two names for uh, an 18 in one card multi-tool. Hey, can I apply to that? Sure. <laughs> if you pull your name, you don't win, though. <laughs> okay, so I guess the uh, this week's uh, podcast challenge is uh, have enough jerry cans to fill your vehicle's tank, uh, as well as a stable, stable, if it's a fuel stabilizer, I guess, for lack of a better term, which allows you to store your fuel for a little longer than normal. Um, so basically, the, the goal here is I want you to have enough gas to fill your tanks and have enough for another spare tank. So basically, you should be able to reach anywhere you need to go with at least two full tanks of gas. So for most people, that'll be about two to four jerry cans. Um, not the cheapest podcast challenge we've, we've come across uh, or that we've come up with for sure. But uh, I want you guys to have enough gas lying around to fill the tank twice, have a rotation plan in place to keep the gas around no more than three months without using it. And as a tip uh, pro tip from him from this is uh try and use the uh, the gas that has as little um uh, ethanol in it as possible because that stuff breaks down like you wouldn't believe so if you have like whether it be mid-grade or premium gas with the stable in it, it'll last probably a year with stable in it but reality you want to keep it down to about three months just to keep it as fresh as possible yeah so uh there's your your podcast challenge for the week get some jerry cans and uh start filling them up especially right now uh our gas prices are about 93 cents so uh Things are pretty good right here for now. 93 cents isn't the best in the world, but better than it has been. Well, our, our gas is as low as it's been in the last two years, so I definitely say it's good time for sure. I mean, again, I think we mentioned this previous podcast is that uh, during the Fort McMurray fire, people were running out of gas about, you know, 60, 70 kilometers out of town heading south from Fort McMurray, which, of course, is still in the middle of the bush. So there they sat until a, a private fuel truck uh, came along and helped uh, fill them up so you get going again. And the other the other trick with this podcast challenge is uh, is making sure that they're in jerry cans that you're able to actually carry. Because you can get some pretty big ones and you fill them up, you might not be able to lift them, right? So that's true as well. 
actually interesting enough too. So, of course, Canadian Tire has them on sale about every six weeks or so. But also, American Costco, you can buy two for the price of one down in uh, same price in Canada. You get two for the same price down there, oh, there and uh, and the gas is cheaper down there too. So. <laughs> So I guess that's it. That's uh, episode closing time, isn't it? It is. Uh, as far as iTunes reviews, we uh, we only still have the one. So uh, any review that you could throw in on uh, iTunes would be greatly appreciated. We're on Spotify now as well. So if uh, if there's a spot for you can throw in a, a review there or even on Podbean, you can grab us on podbean.com on their app. Uh, any, any kind of review helps us out uh, huge and just uh, letting people know that the content on the show is worthwhile, that uh, you as a listener enjoy it. And then it gets other people to uh, to listen as they they see the star review that you've left, and it uh, it helps us out a lot. So we'd greatly appreciate if you could take a couple minutes and and put a review in on your favorite podcast uh, listening app. Alrighty. So I guess as far as that goes, you mentioned the fact that they can find the podcast on uh, Podbean and Spotify, but also of course on iTunes. We're uh, under Canadian Prepper Podcast. Uh, exactly. Like- like we mentioned, uh, take a few minutes out to submit a review. Uh, you can also find us at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, interesting enough, now you can find this uh, YouTube video on <laughs> the Island Retreat uh, YouTube channel. It's just uh, a channel I came up with for this specific purpose, basically. Um, so you can uh, watch this on this, where we do the Google Hangouts. Uh, there is a live show now, and so you can make a commentary, although there's a slight delay between uh, when we get it and when we're able to respond to it. And uh, I was, I fully admit, I was totally bored at work one day, so I, uh, I basically took your mp3 file there for the theme song and it made us a ringtone so if you want if you really want a ringtone for your smartphone go ahead and uh, grab it off of the website yeah and if uh, if you don't see it on the website because i'm still uh, figuring out how to post it on there uh, if you flip an email off to uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca i will uh, i'll email you a copy of it so you can get it on your phone and, uh, and start using it as your ringtone and uh, right. with that i'll bring uh, i'll bring episode number six of the canadian prepper podcast to an end uh, so ian where can people find you Okay, so you can reach me at email on the islandretreat at gmail.com. And I guess now the Island Retreat channel on YouTube. Uh, where can people find you, Eric? Ah, so you can find me at uh, rapidsurvival.com where you can uh, buy some prepper gear. Uh, you can also email me at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Alrighty. And so with that, uh, thanks for joining us and uh, tune in uh, next episode. We're going to talk about the difference in uh, Canadian versus American survival situations. So that's going to be a fun-filled episode, I'm sure, just as the rest of them have been. Uh, Until next time, uh, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.